You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. Happy New Year, and thanks for tuning into Mining Stock Education. I sincerely appreciate you making this show part of your information news flow in 2021. Joining me today is returning guest, Dave Kranzler. He is the editor of the Mining Stock Journal and also the co-producer of the Mining Stock Daily Podcast with Trevor Hall, Dave's website to find more information and to get his weekly posts on his blog is at investmentresearchdynamics.com. Dave, thanks for coming back on the show. Bill, happy new year and thanks for having me back on again. Happy new year to you too. Let's go over your stock picks, mining stock picks for 2020. Can we start off with a loser or perhaps a lesson that you learned in this past year? Oh boy, the truth test here, huh? Starting off early and hard on me. <laughs> um, you know, that's that's a really good question. Uh I don't have any losers. Sorry. <laughs> no, actually, that's far from the truth. Um, I'd say the, the biggest disappointments for me um, it was uh, Gatling Exploration. Um, and it's it's a stock that I, I was friendly with the CEO from when he uh, was running Bonterra, and then they spun off Gatling, and he jumped over to Gatling. So if you owned Bonterra, you got shares in, in Gatling and um, it, they actually do have a resource on their property, the larder, the larder uh, project. And for some reason, and, and I, like I said, I've been, I've been, I know I've known this company. I've recommended it in Mining stock journal and have invested in it uh, for probably, I don't know, two, two and a half years. I forget exactly when the spinoff was. I want to say 2018 except when it did the kind of the initial, the run up after it was spun off and then, and then it traded back down. Part of that was market related. It wasn't performing and I couldn't figure out why. And there may be no real specific reason why it isn't performing. I'm, I'm not a trained geologist. So, you know, maybe there's something wrong with, with the geology, even though they, I mean, they, they were been producing good drill results um, with decent grades and and the area where the property is um, is 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 a hot area in Canada right now, um, and it, it just it, it just seemed like they kept issuing shares to fund drilling and and the stock was going nowhere and so so it did a reverse split they call them share consolidations now and a lot of times not always a reverse split is an effort to kind of hide the amount of shares historically that have been issued amount of dilution. And so sometimes it, it can be a red flag. Sometimes it isn't like a, a lot of times when I'm looking at a junior for the first time, what I'll do is I'll go and, and a lot of these juniors, you may have just heard about them this year, say, but a lot of them have been around for quite some time. And I'll, I'll look at the news history back for as far back as the news history goes on the company's website. And you can actually learn a lot about the early days of a company like that, and and not necessarily Gatling specifically because it's only been around for what two and a half, three years or whatever. But um, you know, there's there's companies where you can go back and pull up news news from say 2011, 2012, and you know if they've done a reverse split at some point, I want to know about it because I want to know you know what what the real amount of share issuance has been over the years, and and I want to know why 
why the company has doesn't have a, an, an advanced project after six or seven or eight years of operating. You know what I mean? But you can find out a lot of these companies have have kicked around, you know, several projects over the years. And, and that's something that you need to know about. So um, I guess the point of all this is, is, is like with a company like Gatling, there's something wrong there that I can't figure out. And so I actually and I've I've, I've learned to do this. It's only happened a couple of times where I actually in my newsletter, I said, hey, you know, I've given up on this company. I'm sorry. Um, it's I don't know why it isn't going anywhere. I like the management. I like the project. It's had good drill results, but I'm missing something. And so um, I've disinvested of it for now. I'm, I'm going to stop reporting on it on a regular basis, but I will follow it because, uh, you know, there may be some type of event that happens that caused me to change my mind. Um, another stock that's similar to that is, is Bonterra. And, and Bonterra was, you know, Blarder, I mean, Gatling was spun out from Bonterra. And um, for the longest time, Bonterra wouldn't move. And, and they have a lot of shares outstanding, or they did. They also did a, a reverse split. Um, and the stock was just not performing. They, they got a great project um, and they got a, a, a decent resource. And, it, you know, either I was missing something or the market was missing something. The stock wasn't performing and it, for me personally or in my fund. So I was just like, you know what, I'm going to take a break from this. And that was something I had announced in my mining stock journal, I think, late last year. This is one where, you know, it was my bad. I mean, I sold the stock probably like around 30 cents. I was wrong about being wrong on it. Dave, and, you were holding the stock back. <laughs> <laughs> it very well could have been me. You know, I might have been the one jinxing it, you know, but in that case, I was wrong about being wrong. That's very humbling when you got to say to your subscribers, because, you know, there's subscribers who have owned it the whole time and they're quite happy right now. And, and um, you know, you got to say to them, look, I got my tail between my legs. I, I was wrong about being wrong on this one. So I would say Gatling's probably my biggest disappointment, my biggest loser this year. Um, behind that is probably Millrock Resources. Um, that's one I'm, I'm adam, adamant about that still has plenty of upside potential. Um, but I, I think I get, um, started recommending it and investing in it around 12 or 13 cents US. And I believe it's been as high as the high teens and now it's down at eight cents. And um, I don't know if you know the, the Millrock story, um, but Projects in Alaska and they're a project projects, generator. Yep. The Millrock property is kind of adjacent and extended from it. And they, they think they haven't been able to prove it yet, but they haven't done a lot of drilling yet. They think that it's possible that the source, the, the, the source that created the gold for the Pogo mine, may also have mineralized, you know, the land that they own adjacent to it. And so, I mean, they just started drilling on it this year and, I think they put, I don't know, five or six holes in it, maybe. And the market was disappointed by, by the drill results. And it's, it's, uh, the, the, there's a company called Resolution Mining. It's an Australian company. And um, they, they have an agreement with Millrock. Millrock's more kind of like a project generator, but they got to spend a lot of money. It's like $5 million a year over the next five years or something. Um, and they, you know, they, they spent 5 million on it this year. They, I mean, you know, if they don't see a discovery in the first drill program, they give up on it. And, and when the they see everybody else bragging on Twitter about their 400, 500% gains in four right, months, exactly. it's tough. <laughs> exactly. 
Um, and this one, I'm I'm definitely not giving up on. Um, there's some very very smart people. Uh, EMX Royalties, you you may or may not know them. Um, Dave Cole is is um, I, I highly respect him as a geologist and a and a company operator. And um, Mil, um, EMX has an investment in Millrock. They also have um, NSRs that they've purchased on mining claims around that property. And they they have reason to believe that, you know, this thing could be a massive Grand Slam home run. Now, that doesn't mean it will be. But, um, you know, again, the, the, the early drill that we saw were just exploratory holes trying to figure out, you know, the, the geology of the property. Apparently, the, the geology is very similar to the geology of the Pogo mine, the, you know, the geology underneath the ground there. Um, and... You know, they did find some some gold mineralization, but nothing that could be called meaningful in terms of, of a discovery. But it will also tell them, you know, where to put the next holes. And they've got several other targets around that area that they're going to start poking holes into. And I mean, this this is literally one of those names where, you know, if they make a discovery, the stock could be, you know, go up fivefold very quickly. So, um, you know, I, I liked it at 12, 13 cents. I love it at eight cents. I mean, your downside is, is your upside's a lot higher at eight cents and your downside's limited. And, you know, that, that's an important point because one of the things that um, I try to do um, with the names that I follow is explain to the subscribers, you know, what the upside and downside risk is and why, you know, with most of these juniors, as you know, you, know, you buy something at 20 cents. It could go to a dollar or it could go to five cents. And it's, it's, um, you just got to be aware of that. I mean, it's, you know, it's not like internet or tech stocks where everything you buy seems to go up. It's, it's, it's a hit or miss process. Fury Gold Mines is a Canada-focused exploration and development company committed to aggressively growing its scalable high-grade gold assets with major drill campaigns planned across its 3.5 million ounce portfolio. Fury is led by a management team of proven explorers and developers with a track record of success in advancing and financing project development. Fury Gold Mines is well positioned to create value for investors with low-risk development growth and the potential for a new major discovery. Fury Gold Mines trades on the TSX and NYSE American under the ticker F-U-R-Y. To learn more, go to furygoldmines.com. That's furygoldmines.com. Well, Dave, I made you start off by talking about your disappointment, so I appreciate your humility in that regard, but let's pat yourself on the back now. What were some of your winners of the past year? There's two ways to measure it, and I'm, I'm measuring it from December 31st, 2019. Because as you know, we had a huge sell-off in March. Yep. And um, I, I guess probably in terms of just the calendar year, my biggest winner was Discovery Metals. So, and are, are you familiar with Discovery? Yes. Yeah. yeah okay. Low grade, humongous silver uh, project, right? Well, the jury's out on whether it's low grade or not. But yeah, the, the, they, they have a resource. They, they could start an open pit mine operation after they- And the open pit knitting. starter is a higher grade, right? They the economics. open pit actually, um, they believe it's much higher grade than, than um, Levon had proved out when Levon Resources owned it. And um, sadly, the, the CEO who I was friendly with, a great guy, um, passed away. And, and so Discovery- uh, purchased Levon and, and, um, 
in the Cordero project. And, and when I, when I first started looking at it, um, it wasn't even, it was only discovery only had a, um, a Canadian listing TSX venture listing. And I said to the guy, look, man, you gotta, you gotta get this OTC listed on the OTC here. Cause it's going to really broaden your investor base. And I know U S investors are starved for, for, for silver ideas. So, um, um, when it got listed, I think it was around 20 cents. So this year it started off uh, 2020 at 52 cents and it ran as high as $2.10. A lot of that is on the Eric Sprott, right? Bump. What'd you say? Um, a lot of that probably was. Yeah. Yeah. I always forget Eric Sprott actually has a big, a big investment in it. He really likes it. I really like it. I remember um, Taj, the CEO, because we were talking about the Cordero project and I had owned Levon for, you know, since 2016. Um, and he said that, I just remember him telling me that he thought his geologists and he, cause he's a geologist also thought that just the open pit portion of the Cordero project was going to, was, was a grand slam at, at 17 or $18 silver. Um, and you know, lo and behold, the market finally started recognizing. It. I mean, the, the market cap for for a company that doesn't, you know, not even close to having an operating mine, the market cap is humongous. So um, now the underground portion was always there, the underground mineralization, but um, Levon Resources never really wanted, Ron Tremblay didn't want to start drilling until silver went over 20 bucks because he thought that the low grade underground resource was not going to be economical unless you got above 20 bucks. And his idea was to get the open pit producing at 20 bucks and use that money to fund. Cause he, he owned, I think 30% of the stock. He doesn't want to dilute himself by issuing shares. He's going to use that money to fund the, the underground build out. Well, Discovery's in there and they're, they're like, no, we think there's reason to believe that there's potential for a much higher grade underground resource as well. Um, and uh, I don't your, know. What's I just, your whole target for this one, Dave? Like, what's your sell price? Well, like in my fund, it was at one point the biggest position. And now it's it's kind of a slightly underweighted position. Stock started, you know, once it started going over like $1.60, I started slowly selling shares. Um, and I sold my, you know, the, I mean, I kept half the position, but I, you know, I think I sold the last shares just over $2. And then it, when it went down to a buck 20, I think in October, maybe, um, I, I started adding shares back because I felt like at a buck 20, it, it was, it was decent value for the amount of risk that's still embedded in the project. I mean, it, it is, you know, de-risked quite a bit, but there's, there's always risks there until, Till you get to the point where you actually have, you know, you're, you're putting the shovel in the ground to build a mine, there's risk. And there's even risk up to the point where until you have your first pour, right? So, and it, you know, it's not just engineering or technical or, or economic risk. There's still, there's political risk. So, um, but yeah, uh, on this one, I don't, I don't really have an upside target. The ceilings, there's really not a ceiling in place until we, you know, the company can figure out just how big the resource is. Mm-hmm. And, and then you're bullish on silver. So, right. The, you're the bullish on silver. Yeah. Now this one, I, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't swing for the fence on it at this, at the price. So it's at a buck, 
a buck 48 us right now uh, you know it's probably one to, to start a position in at this level and and leave plenty of capital that you would allocate to a name like this on the sidelines so that if you know we have a market hiccup um or you know maybe they the next batch of drill results they all their drill results have been phenomenal since discovery took it over but let's say they know, release a batch of bad drill results that the market doesn't like. Now, I love opportunities like that when the stock gets creamed because because I'm like, one set of bad drill results, who gives a crap? You know, I mean, that happens to every company. So, um, but that's what you want to save capital on the side for is for opportunities like that. Any more of last year that you had that were substantial winners before we move on to where you see value for next year? I mean, another one is is uh, GR Silver. Uh, uh, do you know that one? Yes, they're a sponsor. Yep. Why didn't Why didn't I know that? <laughs> yeah. Maybe I did know that. Yep. So I own it. Yep. Yeah. So you you know the story well. Yep. Um, and that one, I I started recommending that one. I believe at sixteen cents, and it's been as high as what seventy cents. This is U.S. Mm-hmm. So, I think, yeah, um, in the nineties, Canadian. Yeah, I mean it's it's been so discovery for over the calendar year has been a four bagger, and you know obviously if you bought it at twenty cents in March you got a ten bagger out of it, um, and uh, same thing with with GR Silver it's not quite as much I think for the calendar year it's it's a little under a four bagger, but again if if you had bought shares and I didn't pull up where it was trading in March but it was trading substantially lower than where it was at the beginning of the year. So, um, um, you know, with both of these companies, you know, they're still, you know, it's, I have faith that they're both going to end up with big resources. And I think GR Silver, I mean, they're surrounded by silver producing titans, right? So, um, you know, First Majestic specifically, which I think First Majestic Sold them that project that they were the Plumosis project. They got the from Plumosis project, yeah. but I think they have twelve or thirteen percent of the stock. Yes. Yep. So uh, you since know, it's a past producer, the pathway to production or produ- reproduction at production again is uh, is a lot quicker than discovery for sure. Right, and you know now you know a lot of these a lot of these projects that are coming to life, like Plumosa. Um, they were pro- they were not economical when silver was in the low teens or single digits, but now you got silver in the mid twenties and probably going a lot higher. And all of a sudden, projects that didn't make sense at say fifteen dollars silver now all of a sudden are going to be home runs. You know when silver goes over thirty. So um, that's that's you know that's I think GR Silver is sitting on a big property that has that potential. Um, I believe that it already has an existing resource. It, I believe, I think it does from the property that um, they yes. bought from First Majestic. Yeah, they have about 40 million ounces of NI43-101 compliant silver right now, I believe. Right, and so to me, um, First Majestic's, First Majestic is the most likely acquirer of the company, but they're not the only one in there that would necessarily put up a fight for it. Um, Resneo has a, a a massive mine that's it's not adjacent to it, but it's in the same kind of in the same uh, silver trend. And I, I've always thought, I mean, the first time I looked at this thing, I thought Fresneo might be the the logical acquirer. And until you know, 
And the new chairman came over from Mag Silver too. Yes, that's right. That's right. Um, the other interesting thing, and I, I have a feeling it's going to follow kind of the same same paradigm, is that uh, uh, Marcio is was at um, Silvercrest Mines. Yes, and it got taken over by First Majestic, so he knows the management at First Majestic intimately. Yeah. So, and and he was one of the ones that helped put that merger together. So that's another reason why I think you know he's going to uh, build out the resource start the permitting process, you know, and we're talking, you know, probably two or three years down the road and then boom, first majestic buys it. Yep. Well, Dave, what about for 2021? I'm going to give this disclaimer. I always do this. Dave's subscribers get the picks in real time. And uh, by the time Dave shares it on a podcast like this, his, his people have already had an opportunity to buy it. But with that disclaimer, anything you could share about next year and where you're seeing potential value. Sure. And I I appreciate that because I, I am, I am pretty fierce about, you know, keeping, keeping my, my newer ideas proprietary to my subscribers. So, um, um, and actually two of these are new ideas that I just started following and investing in and recommending. Um, and the first one is black rock gold. You familiar with that one? Yes. Nevada. Yes. It's, yeah. it's in Tonopah. Yeah. Um, it, it really should be called black rock silver because, it's it's in an old mining district, a historic mining district. At one point, I think, I believe this district was the largest produced silver producing district in the world. I mean, I hate to throw numbers out there, and and but let's just say you know they they think they have cause to believe that there's you know several hundred million ounces of silver that were kind of left behind by the old pickaxe miners. I I don't think there's I don't think there's been any mining on this property either the 1930s or the 1950s, I forget. It's got a really interesting history. And uh, so at any rate, they think that, and they got a massive uh, property and lots of target, lots of uh, mineralized targets to explore on the property. It's under, it's under a hundred million. And, you know, if this thing has three or 400 million ounces of silver on it, you're talking about, you know, something that could be worth ultimately a billion dollars. Now these are big ifs. And that's, that's, you know, the void between concept and proving the concept is big in this industry, as you know. So, um, but this is one I, 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 you know, it's a high risk, high return stock. It's even, and, and I, you know, this stock was trading, I think as low as 16 cents this year. And and I, you know, I regret not having looked at it earlier. Someone had told me about it and I just kind of set it aside. Um, and that's another hard part about this this business in, in this investing in this sector is, you know, you might not really start liking an idea until it's already gone up five five or six times, right, um, or even more. And and this is one of those where you know I, I started recommending it at I think the high sixty cent area, and it went down to the low fifties recently, and now it's back up um, around you know the low seventy cent area. This Dave, is one that could on know, that issue make. when a stock goes up five to six fold. I've had a recent meeting uh, over Zoom with a management team um, that wanted to introduce the story, and like you said, this story went up five to six times. So they shared with me the up potential upside, and I could just do a quick calculation. Okay, if they're successful and they achieve this many ounces, it could equate to this market cap. So I said right. to myself, okay, five fold upside, three to five fold upside if they execute. 
but I was more concerned about my downside. Cause like you said, if you go five to six fold in three months, what's the consolidation going to look like? How strong are your shareholders? Uh, how do people perceive fundamental value? What, what are some of the questions you ask when you're talking to a management team after their share price rolls parabolic like that? Why <laughs> do I want to invest in this thing now? <laughs> right. <laughs> Am I going to lose 50% in the next month? It was my question. And, you know, the, the truth is these guys, again, these, these guys, they, they can be optimistic or they can sus- suspect that they're sitting on, you know, a pot of gold or a pot of silver, but they don't, they don't, I mean, they don't know until they get in there and really start drilling the crap out of it, you know, and, and, and producing an economic resource is only part of the equation. You got to deal with permitting and things like that. And, and you got to deal with, you know, people who environmentally are, are against mining and that's in every jurisdiction. Um, so, um, there, I mean, there's a lot of risk with these things. And if you come into a stock that's already gone up fivefold, you know, your potential downside is that it goes back to where it was before it made the fivefold run, right? Or at least and halfway. Then you just got to <laughs> right, that's where you got to make a jet. Pardon me? Uh, halfway, because these mining stocks often retrace 50% before they make the next leg up, right? That can happen too. Yeah. Uh, I'm just, I'm looking in the scenario where all of a sudden, you know, it's starting to look like maybe they don't have what they thought they had. You know, some 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 rocky drill results, dusters. Um, but that's where you got to kind of make a judgment call. And, and this particular one, I mean, after I, I saw the, the webinar presentation of it, I spent like two hours on the phone with the chairman, Andrew Pollard. And um, I mean, I'm probably not as convinced as he is that they've got, you know, several hundred million ounces of silver. And I want to see, obviously, a lot more drilling, which is they're going to drill the crap out of this property in 2021. Um, but I I'm, I'm, I think at this this price level, I think it's the the upside. The upside potential is is way outweighs the downside risk because there, there's also they have another property. It's it's a gold property um, that was was the original. That was kind of the genesis of the property. And that's why it's called BlackRock Gold instead of BlackRock Silver. Uh, and And that. Right now, it's it's a low-grade mineralization project, but they think that there's a lot more high-grade on there. It's it's in the same area as some, some prolific uh, mines up in uh, northern Nevada, and um, so that you know, to me, that that property alone, and, and I think they're going to spin it off in 2021 to shareholders, which is a bonus, right? Um, I think that property right there, give, you know, buffers the downside potential if all of a sudden, you know, BlackRock has a series of, of drill results that the market doesn't like. Um, so that's, that's probably my favorite stock right now for 2021. Um, and again, it's, it's got a lot, it's got downside risk to it, you know, make no mistake about that. Another one that I, I um, one of my subscribers had asked me about it, I don't know, three or four months ago, even a little bit longer is, is Cabral gold. Um, and do you know that one? Yes, I do. And that one had a nice run, a really nice run. So then I think it's going to have a lot more nice runs ahead of it as well. Um, so that'd be an example of a stock that had a nice run that you're comfortable at, at this point, you know, absolutely. it's it's an earlier stage. There's a resource there, but it's earlier stage, but yes, it has, there's a lot of potential based on the amount of targets that they've generated. Yes, and the, and the property is an old, 
it was a historic placer mining property, right? So basically, you know, pickaxe miners going down there and, and, and scooping sand out of the riverbeds and getting the gold out of it. And um, the, uh, the CEO um, told me that he thinks, he thinks, and again, there's, there's no guarantee that this is the case, but they believe that just the old uh, placer tailings have 2 million ounces of gold in it. So I will say of Alan, Alan Carter, the CEO, that I believe he put 1.7 million of his own money, his personal savings into uh, yeah. the company, oh, yeah. which he said was may not be that meaningful for some, but it was very meaningful for him. So I, right. I really appreciated that. No, and he's he's he seems like he's a really nice, humble guy. Um, and uh, I, I should have looked up the share structure before we did this, but um, well. The audience can, can subscribe to my <laughs> newsletter and they'll get the back issue that has my initial write-up on Cabral. But it's it's got a tight share structure, which I like. And um, as you say, the CEO is he's personally heavily invested in it. So it's not like some of these, he's going to act like some of the CEOs of some of these companies just issue a crap load of shares to fund drilling. I mean, he's, he's going to be very calculated about... Um, when he, when and how he has to raise money. So um, I always ask these guys, hey, you know, do you got any any strategic big mining companies looking at you <laughs> or talking to you? And you know, they they can sort of have vague answers. Yeah, we, you know, we've got some some NDA, some non disclosure agreements outstanding, but they're not going to identify specifics. So, but um, that I, I I can guarantee you, there's there's probably handful of large cap producers that are watching this one closely. And, and um, because, you know, we're going to start getting into a point here. And, and again, I think 2021 is a pivotal year for this, where a lot of these large cap producers, the Newmonts, the Barracks, Agnico Eagles of the world, um, they're, they're, you know, they're depleting their resources faster than they're replacing them. And there's, there's probably not very many five to 10 million ounce gold projects just waiting, sitting around the globe, waiting to be found. I think, you know, there, there's probably some out there, but they're going to get harder to find. And so a lot of these, a lot of these large cap producers, they're either going to have to merge with each other or, or they're, you know, like we saw with Newmont and Gold Corp, for instance, um, or they're going to have to acquire junior producer or junior explorers that have resources in the ground. Even though you know the, the resource may not be as large as some of these companies typically um, want to see before they before they invest in something. Dave, one more question on Cabral. Um, obviously, BlackRock's in Nevada, so nobody questions Nevada as a jurisdiction. But Brazil—that's not of concern for you, or did you have to wrestle through Brazil as a mining jurisdiction a little before you park some dollars there in that company? I mean, you know, again, there. Political risk is is really it's it's it can crop up and bite you in the ass from anywhere. And believe it or not, you know people look at countries and they say, "Oh, well, that's a risky country politically." A lot of these com- countries rely on on mining for tax revenues and and employment. And so, um, at the sovereign level, I think a lot of these countries are not as unfriendly or as risky as, as might be the perception where, where I've been bitten in the butt with political risk is at the local jurisdictional level. Brazil doesn't bother me just because there's so many 
international scale, large cap mining companies operating there, that I, I'd be surprised if at least at the sovereign level, um, the government would bite the hand that feeds them. You know what I mean? And so in Brazil, it's, it's your risk is probably more likely going to come from local jurisdictional level. And um, the, the area where, where Cabral is operating is such a, has such a long history of mining um, that I, I mean, yeah, there's going to be risk there, but I, I think, you know, that's part of the downside risk equation is, is the political risk. Um, but I think the upside potential of this project far outweighs, you know, the, the operational or the, the, the jurisdictional risk. So, I mean, it's, he's trading where 50 cents us right now, your downside is 50 cents. And I think your upside is, you know, two or $3 at least. So to me, that the upside downside makes a lot of sense at this level. Dave, uh, for listeners that have been listening to this discussion, they can go to investmentresearchdynamics.com to learn about your service. But uh, give me a quick pitch of why they'd want to sign up for your Mining Stock Journal in 2021, please. I've been researching and investing and, you know, heavily involved in this sector for 20 years now. And so... Over that time, I've kind of developed a formula for what I look for with juniors. And, um, you know, it's it's out of 10 juniors that you're going to pick, you're lucky if two or three actually are grand slams. And, you know, some of them are going to muddle along and, and some of them are going to be failures. So um, the idea is that the two or three grand slams that you manage to pick out more, way more than offset. Um, the opportunity cost of the ones that were, that don't do anything and go nowhere and the ones that loot that are busts. So, well, if I say so myself, I think I do a good job of explaining to investors why I like a project, why I like a company, what the upside is, what the downside risks are. And, um, you know, I'd say I invest in 70, 70, 80% of the names that I cover. So I have a ton of skin in the game and a lot of newsletter writers can't say that. So, um, and it's, I mean, for a few years now, people have been telling me, I, you know, you got to raise the price of this. I can't believe how cheap it is for what you offer. So I guess probably the best selling point is I don't have a minimum time commitment. You sign up 20 bucks for the first month. And if you don't like it, shoot me an email and I can cancel it on my side or you can cancel it on your side through PayPal. It's ten bucks an episode, essentially, right? Or uh, ten bucks per ten bucks an issue, yeah. Issue, yeah. All right, that's hard to beat, especially when a Starbucks coffee, like you said, costs five bucks nowadays. Yeah, I, I I'm probably going to raise the price at some point in 2021, unless we have a bad year in the market. <laughs> but uh, um, you know, existing subscribers would be grandfathered at the old price. Okay. All right. Again, go to investmentresearchdynamics.com. Dave, as always, I appreciate catching up. It's been a few months and thanks for sharing a lot of these stock picks. Hey, my pleasure, Bill. And um, love doing these podcasts with you. So anytime, you know, I can make the time to do these. And uh, here's to a hopefully prosperous 2021. Yes, likewise.
Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks. The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts it might cost fifty or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10 for 1 returns as there is in small cap and micro cap mining stocks. Concomitant with that, if you don't do the work, or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side, there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too. I just started to study up on mining stocks and I just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really, you could do really, really well or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly. The mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very, very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks. Don't be overly confident and just do your work as best you can. Do your very best, but don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. I have met you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited, and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents, but it requires commitment. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on MiningStockEducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.